Hello and welcome everyone to the final episode of season three, Us in the Restoring Life podcast. Um, it's the winter solstice as I sit here recording this and actually this is a really special podcast for me because the, the person I'm dialoguing with is none other than my father, uh, Dr. Robin Boast, who is uh, the Professor of Cultural Information Science at the University of Amsterdam and also the author of The Machine in the Ghost, Digitality and Its Consequences. So um, I can honestly say, Dad, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's always fun. <laughs> right. Well, and it always, it kind of makes me laugh in that um, oh, for so many years, you and I have lived in separate countries. You could argue we've almost lived very separate lives. But I think as we come into this stage of our lives, you know, you more into your elderhood and me certainly into my adulthood. Um, I always marvel at how many areas our, our life and our world and our work actually crosses over these days. So for me, that's really special. Um, and that was something I really wanted to bring out today as, as we talk, because of so much of your work uh, is around, you know, looking at this incredible, in many ways, digital network of connection we now find ourselves living in uh, on a global level and kind of seeing that as a mechanism right so neither good nor bad but how we interact with that so I would love for you to talk a bit about your work and then we'll see where the dialogue leads us from there okay well yeah I mean it's, it's, I mean, it's always difficult when you talk about your work because you know I'm an old man now I've done a lot of stuff you are not um, that I was old, my, my students goodness. you know and they ask you they always say oh boy how do you know all that stuff <laughs> well I'm old you know I, I you know I've been around a long time um, I think it's strange because of course it's interesting that digitality itself is a concept that has a history and we didn't used to call it digitality. Well, it was, I mean, digitality, the, the term digital was actually coined first in 1942. Wow. Um, by a, an engineer in the U.S. And, a, in a, and at the time, everything was secret, of course. So it was a secret document but during the war. But, um, and he, it was interesting that he did it to distinguish two kinds of computing that were very common then. Um, and... Um, you know, the two forms of computing that were common, and that was analog. And um, so you had analog and what they were calling at the time, they were just calling it um, decimal computing and electronic computers, basically. Wow. And you had also analog electronic computers, but uh, he wanted to make the distinction. And the reason he did is because the early computers literally counted on their fingers, you know, like one <laughs> And they didn't work the way they didn't work the way our computers work today. Um, there were a few computers around. Well, not then, but um, by the time you hit the end of the '40s, there were binary computers around. It was interesting that it's a kind of distinction between Europe and um, the United States. The United States early computing, not all of it, but most of it, was decimal, meaning it counted in base ten like we do. Wow. One to, to you know zero to nine and then just carry the one over. It, it literally counted like that. Um, you know, and um, but in Europe, they um they had a tradition starting very early, mostly with things like the Manchester baby, which I don't think anyone's heard of, um, unless you're really into this sort of thing. Um first computers, one of the most innovative in some ways. Uh, very, very early, just a post-war computer made in Manchester, um, and it was binary. And it, wow. it, there's a lot more about it that's true about our computing today. 
But it's also interesting, this kind of sense that we leap between these terms, right? We use terms now ubiquitously like information, like uh, digital, uh, mm -hmm. like computing. But they all meant kind of different things at one time. And they've kind of been mushed together to cover so many different aspects of what we now have, which is we call this, um, you know, we, we basically call the, you know, basically information technologies or digital computing or whatever. But um, of course, there are terms now that have, you know, that have been applied to such a diverse right. set of uses. I mean, what we have today in terms of digitality, if we want to use the term digitality anymore, I don't see why not. You know, terms change their meaning. Right. And now, of course, you know, what we do in a computer is binary. It's not digital in that sense, but that doesn't matter. You know, that's okay. If we want to keep using the term that way, that's fine. But, you know, we, we, you know, but we get, but I think as, as, you know, as a very famous philosopher, Ludwig Wittgenstein said, you know, we, 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 by the use of our words, without careful use of our words, without thinking about how we use our words and what the, those histories are, we wind up getting into lots of confusions. Mm. And one of the confusions we get into, of course, is by still calling what we do computing. Because, you know, if you think about it, when, okay, now deep down in, we could say that what's going on deep down in there is still computation. It's actually computation in the sense of arithmetic, mm. sense of adding and subtracting. Um, comparing equalities, yeah, down at almost the chip level, that's more or less what's going on. But, you know, the, the fact is that we don't use these things and haven't used these things for, since, the, since the early 50s, you know, as computing devices. I mean, it's been one of the, the you know, as to, to actually compute, to do arithmetic is one of the things they do least these days, right. except in certain contexts. Um, mostly what they do is, you know, we, they're media machines, right? We, right. We're doing what we're doing now. You know, I'm sitting in a car park, you know, in the middle of a middle of a park in Italy, talking to you. I don't even know where you are. <laughs> I'm actually in Evergreen in Colorado oh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we're sitting here, you know, creating a podcast that as far as anyone can tell, you know, we're in the same room with each other. Right. We're not. We're on the other side of the world, you know, and that kind of commu telecommunications, you know, um, mediation, you know, we, we watch films on it, you know, there's almost all media now in terms of films, television, radio, um, newspapers, um, you know, books, publishing, it's all right. on this little device I have in front of my hand, you know, so the thing is, you know, so we talk in terms of computing, we talk in terms of digitality, but of course, you know, none of those things really apply in Right. And what really is going on is actually, in my mind, much more significant and much weirder than most people really kind of get their heads around. You know, so um, wow. anyway, well, I'll stop to there. Me. No, talk to me about the weirdness, because I think from, I don't know, so a lot of my conversations in the work I do around story and narrative, and in particular social stories and social narratives and how they influence everything from you know whatever we call either technology or computing or media right and um, so what always fascinates me is this kind of you know the ancient hermetic 
axiom of as within, so without. So, you know, the weirdness, I would love to hear from you because I think our technology, to use another blanket term, and our uses of technology and connectivity really are an outward reflection of what's going on inwardly uh, on an individual level, but on a social cultural level. So, you know, I know this is a, a realm you spend a lot of time in, not just in the now, but of course in the historic and prehistoric realms of how social transformation has been reflected in our technology. So, yeah, what are you seeing that's weird right now? <laughs> well, I mean, in a sense, digitality itself is a weird medium, but, um, you know, there's two levels there. I mean, on the one hand, all, technology has always been something that, um, you know, the, because, you you know, you can't think about technology as just the little, you know, the little machine that you hold in your hand and all the little gubbins and networks and so forth that make that happen, you know. Um, of course, that's part of the technology, all those servers, you know, the the, the radio waves, which are running my, my cell phone, my cell connection and Wi-Fi, um, the, the cabling, whether that's copper or, or fiber or whatever, you know, um, all of those things are part of the technology, but none of those things are neutral. Hmm. They're because they don't have, you know, if, if we weren't here using them, if nobody, you know, if all of us, heaven forbid, disappeared tomorrow, it would just be minerals. It would just be, you know, our, our technology would just become part of the, you know, of, of the, of the materiality of the planet. Hmm. It wouldn't be technology anymore. It would just be rocks, you know. I mean, okay, cell phone rocks, but you know, it's there. You know, it has no meaning as anything except in use, right. except in our hands and doing things. And so that's why we talk in terms of technology, not just being, you know, the 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 the, the techne, as we say sometimes, but also this, you know, it's also the so the, the, the it's also a social thing. It's also right. a political thing. You know, it's also, you know, uh, it's also, you know, it also is based on a huge amount of desire. You know, the, the, I mean, one of the things we have to remember, you know, is that um, desire is one of the most basic aspects of coding. You know, you can't have coding without desire. You, know, right. you desire, you know, it's a desire to, to achieve a certain image and an imaginary. And of course, that changes as you wind up building it. But you know, so that that imaginary, that desire, all these emotions that go into it, and the use, the fact that people do things yes. with them. So technology is mean, you know, as, as you know, as the technology is meaningless without us doing stuff, with, right. without us being part of. It. We're completely not just culpable, but entangled. But right. you know, it, it doesn't you know it doesn't do anything when we're, we're not there, even if it's automatic. You know, someone will say, oh, yeah, but you've got automatic systems. If we die tomorrow, those automatic systems will keep running. Yeah, but that's irrelevant because so they keep running. The sun keeps running, too. <laughs> exactly. You know, the sun's not going to stop tomorrow either. You know, um, you know, you know, plate tectonics are not going to stop tomorrow either. Right. You know, those things will keep going, of course. But, you know, that's, you know, the point is they don't, you know, they don't have, you know, it doesn't have any, you know, technology is a social Yes. It's not just a, it's not it's not just the the mechanics. Right. Although the mechanics are part of it, right? So so that's one, you know, so you can't separate out the human. You can't separate out individual desires and wishes and wants and skills because we accommodate. You know, a lot of this technology works because we accommodate it. Right, you know, and and then embrace the it. Technology and... trains us, and we train the the technology all exactly. the time. So you know, technology doesn't function without us also making it work. Um, yes. And I don't mean just on the technical level. 
You know, yeah. I mean, the point is that, you know, we're constantly, you know, almost blindly making these things work, you know, um, you know, in little ways and our little accommodations, new skills, finding different ways of making them work yeah. as well, yeah. you know, uh, using them differently. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's only so far you can go that way. Um, we call it in media studies, we call this affordances of the technology. If the technology has a set of affordances that it won't let you go beyond. Some technologies are quite strict about that, mm. but, um, you know, but it, none, you know, but nonetheless, there's, there's nothing without us entangled with this stuff. Right. Well, and absolutely, I think, you know, this is the interesting piece, right? Cause you must hear this all the time when you're teaching this is, I hear a lot of people uh, trying to create that sense of separation. So blaming the fact that we are technologically focused as a species, blaming the fact that actually, oh, their smartphone rules their life or, oh, you know, their children are so fixated on screens or, or, or. But actually that sense of separation, as you've just beautifully said, is really illusionary. And without our human habits fueling the intention and the desire, as you say, in not just the usage, but the ongoing creation and evolution of these tools, um, it's it's functionless, you know? So I think there is something about not just personal responsibility, but collective responsibility. And perhaps our, I don't know, where I get really intrigued is, and, you know, this is a question for you, uh, is do you see our desires changing right now in the world. Um, you could argue there's several catalysts that are coming, both from an environmental, political, economic, social, you name it, right, a direction at us that might create a change in intention and desire. But are you seeing that or are you seeing something different happening? Well, I mean, I think this is often overstated a lot. I mean, people tend to occupy the world as it's, as it's presented to them. And, you know... It's interesting how fast we are at, you know, at at kind of appropriating and 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 just kind of absorbing technologies. Um, and of course, we also have to remember that digitality isn't the only technology. There's mm. lots of technologies, um, and that those other technologies also have advantages that technology that digitality doesn't. You know, I mean, I've you know, I'm old enough to remember just how often I've heard about the death of paper, you know, the right. paper and publishing industry, you know, about every five years you hear that, you know, paper publishing is no longer going to exist, you know, and it's usually the people who just brought out something like, you know, the, the Kindle or something wants uh -huh. to say that. And of course they would do, wouldn't they? Um, but, um, you know, in fact, we're printing more books now than we ever have. Yes. Yeah. You know, and of course, some of, the, you know, of course, we're also reading them digitally, but not just. And uh, you know, paper has done anything but disappear. Uh, it's it's actually we're actually choking in it. In some ways, it's gone. You know, we have too much paper now, <clears throat> where we didn't before, because it was more because now it's cheap. Right. But also, if you look at places like let's look at something like Africa, which is now doing really really well. You know, economically, socially. Okay, so, you know, politically as well, even though it's, there's still many rough edges, but then there are in the West as well. Yes. But, um, you know, when I was started lecturing, especially lecturing around digital technology, you know, one of the things that I would tell them, which was some time ago, long time ago, I must admit, you know, a good 35 years ago, 40 years ago. But I would tell students, that it was true at the time, that there were more telephones in London than in Africa. <laughs> I can believe it. Which was true. Yeah, I can which was it. true. 
It was true. There were more telephones in London than Africa, you know, uh, 40 years ago. Right. Now, but now, you know, Africa's totally connected. Yes. There's almost nowhere you can go in Africa where you're, you're not connected. And everybody's there with a cell phone. Okay. Now, this is partially because, you know, the cell phone was able to do something that telephones couldn't, even though cellular networks and things are built up on the back of the telephone network. Um, you know, we have to remember that, too, you know, that all of our net networking was... Uh, uh, all of, uh, someone wanted me to move. <laughs> Typical <laughs> no, Italy. <laughs> uh, built up on. T- you know, we have to remember also, even our new technologies are built on the back of old technologies. Right. You know, Wi-Fi is radio. Right. That's what it is. It's radio. Right. Um, you know, your cell, your cell connections, radio, uh, which is very old. Okay. Yeah. So different use of radio. It's digital and so forth, but it's still radio. You know, still just. You know, at the end of the day, it's just radio. Right. And um, you know, so. Uh, you know, and you know the networking. You know, the internet um, was built on the back of you know the telephone network. Yeah. Especially when the internet went to uh, went public, you know, it was definitely built on the back of the telephone. In fact, in the old days, if you remember, don't know if you remember, the having to, you know, dial actually oh, I dial in the dial up. Yeah, I do. And that connect. horrible noise it made. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Put the telephone you know, back when we even had acoustic acoustic modems. You know, right. put your phone in it. Yeah, I, do. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, these there's layers here. You know, and the, the, you know, if you look at the telephone and telegraph network, it built up on the backs because of access and land rights on the back of train of you know of, of the railroads. Right. You know, we have this layering of technologies also that we've always had. Um, you know, so you know, we also have to. Remember that we have these deep, deep, you know, technologies go way back. Right. You know, and especially when you start looking at things like digitality, which has come to simulate. It's more than simulation, actually. It's not simply simulation, but it's done much more than that. You know, uh, other media like publishing, yeah. um, like television, like film, um, you know, uh, telephones, you know, other, other sort of communication technologies and media. That okay, it changes it when it does it, but at the same time, it carries a lot of those social mechanisms, those social aspects of technology with it. Right. You know, films have not. You know, films because net. You know, because Netflix does them hasn't changed a lot from what they used to be. Yeah. Oh, okay. The special effects are a lot better. Um. You know, especially after Fractals, but you know the you know. Montage, you know, the, the basic film, you know, filmmaking, montage, and so forth haven't changed a lot in the last hundred years. Yes, yeah, you know, it's still pretty much the same. Yeah. You know, because it's because it's this, you know, because that is, you know, that's what film is. This is our sociality of it. Yeah. And of course, there's differences in what constitutes a film structure by culture and culture. You know, you look at the difference between Hollywood and Bollywood. Right. right. There are differences, nonetheless, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's interesting that I think one of the things, the problems, if we're getting in problems now with digitality, and I think this is, you know, if you have listeners who are in the business, you know, whether it's mobile technologies or media, you know, digital media or whatever, one of the big problems is that things are getting a bit dull. <laughs> that we're not actually, you know, it's kind of, we've, we've kind of populated everything we can populate at the moment, at least that we can think of. And of course, there'll be something come along that we didn't think of. But, um, 
you know, the interesting thing is it's all, you know, they look at the phone, you know, look at the, you know, okay, we'll pick on one company, which is unfair. You know, we can pick on the iPhone, which is a bit unfair. But, you know, think of the last four, four iPhones. It's been least, very samey, hasn't it? <laughs> they're, they're struggling. You know, it's like, what do we do to do anything else? Yes. And Samsung is having the same problem and, you know, and Highway is having the same problem. All yeah. of them are having the same problem, you know, but it's like, what, you know, what do we do that's new? yeah which you know, is interesting kind of hit the, you know we can go a little faster yeah. you know the we can go from, the, from 3g to 4g to 5g you know so that we're you know so that the speeds are better you're getting better better data work you know but at the end of the day you know the you can have a bit more memory which is exactly what happened to the micro as well right you know the micro grew and you know the micro that sits on the desk now is is, is you know is not miles different than it was before, except that, I mean, there's two differences. One is that now most micros that sit on people's desktop is a laptop. Mm. You know, the laptop was at least imagined in the 1970s. Um, But, um, you know, but then, I mean, and the one thing that really did change things, of course, was the mobile phone. Well, so here's a question, right? Because this is, you know, it is interesting and I've not really thought about it this way, but, you know, it really, yeah, it makes absolute sense as I'm listening to you describe it. So, and, you know, forgive me if I'm taking you back to your archaeologist roots as well here, but, you know, if we look at evolution, not just physical evolution, but evolution in thought, of course, they're entwined, right? Um, And this idea of, of, you know, the gradual incremental building, as you've been describing in terms of technology, but as we know, that's happened everywhere, right? But then there does come these moments of, you know, I might call them a hack, where, you know, just like when the mobile phone suddenly got introduced, it's it's almost like a step change in a way. Or maybe, you know, feel free to disagree with me, but it is something new and something disruptive. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what are you seeing in that right now? Because you're absolutely right. It has been a bit samey for a long time and we've almost diversified massively on a horizontal level, but not necessarily disrupted um, and brought in something new. Some people would argue that we're looking at AI in that sector, which is a really tricky place to go. But I mean, what are you seeing in that kind of, I guess, historic trajectory of evolution as now applied to our digital environment? Well, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I, well, I would agree with you. Yes, I'd agree with you. I think one of the things you look at AI, you know, and I'm almost old enough to remember that since I, since I can remember that probably about the age and because I'm also an historian, I've looked back. So ever since more or less the early 1950s, every five to seven years, someone's right. come out and said in three or four years, computers are going to be smarter than people. Right. <laughs> and it's coming five to seven years since the early 1950s. You know, and the computers are not smarter than we are. Of course, it depends on what you mean by smart, but, um, you know, and, you know, so it's just, you know, the point is that I think that's part of the thing that we're in because we're, we're grabbing at straws. Yes. But you're right. I mean, what happens is when something comes along that nobody anticipated could know it because that it comes back to desires. You know, we build the technology we want the technology we can imagine yes you know so we have these imaginaries and you think of the you know the, the cell phone has become it started out being just a telephone you could carry around with you there's a radio phone which of course has been around for for you know for ages but you know it became that and then all of a sudden you know people realized they could you know because of laptop technology they could have a small micro in there you got apps and when you had that app with 
this with fast enough cell cell connectivity, yeah. all of a sudden the possibilities explode. Yes. All of a sudden, wait a minute, you know, think of what we could do. You know, all of a sudden the imaginary becomes different. Right. You know, isn't the technology that determined this? The technology, you know, the technology of the cell phone did not determine what we have as cell phones now. Yes. What was was all of a sudden a, a, some things came together to where the possibilities and the possibilities for new imaginaries became, you know, immensely bigger. Yeah, I love And so people that. started trying stuff. You know, hey, we can do stuff with this. Well, you know, look at all this stuff we can do. Well, you know, yeah. wow, you know, we can do this. We can do that. We can do that. Now that imaginaries kind of run its course. We're kind of banging up against the limitations, not right. so much of the technology, but of the imaginary. Also, people have, you know, when, when, when some when a new imaginary comes along, they're more open to trying new things. Now, right. oh, these are some, you know, we're all kind of habituated into the cell phone. We don't like it to be too much different. <laughs> True. <laughs> they made the cell phones really radically different. Nobody would buy them because they got, well, I've got mine. It works. It does what I want. Uh -huh. Why would I want that? How many times you do know? we hear that narrative, right? And, well, and yeah, yet, you know, the law of innovation diffusion. You can understand from a user point of view, that's right. true. I mean, why right. should the user be there to fulfill, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the kind, you know, the, the, the you know, some, you know, the, the creative ambitions of some engineers and some, you know, and some designers, you know, we're not here for them. Yes. You know, I'm sorry, guys, you know, but, you know, that's how the world works. Um, but at the same time, if you, you know, it's that continuous movement of, you know, of, of trying to build new things, of trying new things, seeing what happens. And then all of a sudden something will come, something will come along or a few things will come together. Yeah. And then that, that new, that new, those new possibilities will open up. Yes. And they'll be clear. When it happens, it's clear. Yep. You know, it's clear. Yeah. You know, oh, wow, we're in a whole new ballgame here. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, well, and something's new here. You, you know, know, I'm just fascinated um, by how we resist the call of the imaginal, right? And so, as you said, you know, people get stuck in habits. And, you know, I'll use myself as the example. I have been using Apple products for over a decade, if not, well, much longer, because that's what you had when I was a kid, right? So we've been in the Apple yeah. world for, oh, my yeah. God, 30-plus years for me. Right. And so actually <laughs> now... My first job was working with an Apple II. Right. And so now I go, well, oh, I'm really resistant to trying a new technology because I go, oh, but everything's Apple. Yeah. My whole ecosystem's Apple. So, oh, my God, the hassle. And yet I live and breathe and work in the imaginal. So if I'm resisting that, holy moly, yeah. right? I mean, it's part of that yeah. human nature. You remember also the, the companies and the engineers resisting. Right. right? Exactly. And their exactly. point of view also for, for a lot of them is, okay, this is working. You know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to make my boss upset, you know, well, or, or the CEO upset. You know, if I start undermining a success, you know, we're, we're doing well enough, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to mess around with this. I mean, you have to think one of the things also that, that we saw when you had, um, you know, this, the cell phone and convergence develop there in the mid to, you know, 2000, like two out 2002 to 2008, more or less 2002 to 10, you know, somewhere in there. I mean, you have to think what happened just then. You know, mm. what was going on right then in the two, early two thousands? And of course, this is well, this is not my work. This is you know, this has been written about endlessly. But of course, you had the dot com bubble pop, right? You had this Absolutely. huge dot com bubble, which is large corporate programming. You know, 
um, you know, it was micro work, but it was it was all very much application oriented. You know, you you know you, you, know, you bought software. Um, you know, you had you know you you had computers that looked like they came out of the space shuttle. You know, it was all based in that kind of a world. Then all of a sudden, it went bang, you know, and collapsed. Yeah. And um, you know, and all of a sudden, you had all of these bright young guys and gals who you know were running around and they didn't have a job. Yes. Yeah. And there were some technologies that were converging also at the moment. Some miniaturization was going on, screen technologies. You know, and all of a sudden, these guys were in the coffee shop unemployed together. Mm. And they start talking to each other and they start thinking. They start creating little startups because what else can they do? Absolutely. There are no jobs. You know, uh, they got to do something. You know, so they're out there doing something. So all of a sudden, that's another thing that you get you know, these kind of moments of crisis. Which we're in at the moment as well. Exactly. You know, how big of a crisis is yet to be seen, but of course, you know, in the last, you know, last few months, last few, well, last few weeks, stock market's already fifteen percent lower. Right. You know, it, and it's continuing to go down. Right. <laughs> and it's going to continue to go down for a while, probably. Yes. You know, um, you know, so you know, so we're in another crisis moment. You know, who knows whether that may or may not create some new creativity. It usually does. Um, because it all, again, it opens up new possibilities, new affordances, right. it, you know, the old institutional structures, the corporate structures, you know, the employment structures that people were in and couldn't really move out of all of a sudden disappear. Yes. And exactly. so you can build new things. Yes. Well, and I, well, I love how I think, you know, this is a sense I've had for a very long time and it's much easier to say than to do. So I acknowledge that, but this sense of necessity born out of crisis um, and it's not necessary, you know, this idea of all these people in coffee shops just doing, you know, that word being really important, because especially in this world of social technology right now, I think we're very good at blah, blah, blahing and talking a lot and not so good at actually the doing. Um, and so it is this idea of almost welcoming crisis because when crisis comes it actually forces us out of our habitual stories and narratives and into something new into the imaginal but I guess it also brings around with it an identity shift you know and I think a lot of our stories socially and culturally are to do with these kind of meta identities in a way in the world and you know you could argue oh it's really interesting times right now because through our, our connectivity through our technology we are arguably more globally aware than ever. But what we're seeing, of course, is that's flushing out all of these deep-seated, rooted narratives of separation, of racism, of nationalism. I mean, you name it, right? We're looking around seeing that right now. So, I mean, do you think that's a natural evolution and a shift of identity? Or do you see that as something else? I wish, I wish, well, I'm, I'm probably because I'm maybe I'm older. I'm more skeptical than you. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't see I don't see that much of a shift. Right. Um, in fact, I, think it'd be, I mean, you'll. I mean, you have to. You know, for someone like me who lived through the second half of the 20th century and into the 21st, are things like race relations, are things like gender relations, yeah. are things. Um, like uh, social inclusion better now than they were? Yes, they are better. Yeah. Uh, no, they're nowhere near good enough. Right. Not even remotely. And, aren't, and, and you know, and of course, no one in their right mind would suggest that we're not facing 
huge challenges. Now. Right. Uh, still, you know, you know, still looking at you, not just in the U.S. but also in Europe and the world over. You know, of course, I mean, racism is not gone away. Yes. Tolerance um, has not gone away. Um, in you know, more than anything since the you know since the twenties and thirties, you know, um, economic inequality has grown out of all proportion. Right. You know, so. You know, we are still facing lots of problems. And I don't see, you know, evolution, you know, you have to realize evolution, well, it depends on what evolution you're talking about, because right. there are different kinds. But it was all, you know, Spencerian evolution, which is that things progress, you know, hasn't really been in favor scientifically or in the humanities or anywhere else for a very long time, mm-hmm. at least the last 80 years you know, and where we've been strongly Darwinian. And you have to remember, Darwin never professed progress. Yeah. Yeah. He professed change, adaptation, right? and the diversity matters in adaptation. Yes, all those were very true. And this is, you know, but it was all based mostly on chance. Yes, you know, in chance, that model. But, you know, if you, have, if you have chance modifications being weeded out um, by chance over a long period, then you get positive change in relation to the environment. And then, of course, the environment changes and all of that goes out the window. Right, right. Um, you know, so, you know, so I, I'm always a bit skeptical of applying evolution to these kind of situations because, of course, we're, you know, we're not, you know, we're not just, uh, we're not just animals reacting in an environment. We're also, we're also creating our environment, building exactly. it. It doesn't make us much better than the animals, but, you know, that does may mean that, you know, our way of engaging in the environment is different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and has, that difference has consequences. Um, but the, but you know, I think the thing is to think about is that you know, hopefully we will continue to move on. And I, you know, although I do have a, a deep-seated skepticism about mm, people's willingness, not abilities, but willingness to take on problems and change. Um, I'm very skeptical about it because I don't see it happening very much, mm-hmm. uh, except in small areas and small things um, that sometimes have big consequences. But uh, at the same time, I do have a great faith in human creativity. Right. And I think the human creativity is important you know, is really important. If, of course, we don't destroy the environment completely, <laughs> the, then we're all, you know, we're all up diarrhea drive without a paddle. Right? Right. Um, so <laughs> I think it's important also to realize though, one of the, that's another dialogue. Again, we have these dialogues and we talk about destroying the earth. We're not going to, we're not going to destroy the earth. Exactly. Right. But us, the, right. you know, you know, the pollution, why, you know, if we warm up the earth, it's, which has happened before. It happened in the Permian yep. period, you know, and 95% of life was destroyed. Yes. Um, you know, um, if we will heat up the planet, you know, we're gone. Yeah. A lot of life that's here now is gone, but the planet will keep going. Of course. Yeah, of course. The planet will yeah. keep going. going to keep going on and on and on to its ultimate end as well. But, yes. you know, it's going to get on just fine, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing we have to worry about is us, not 
you know. Well, and so here's a here's a thing, and I think you know, I I, I this is I guess in the the years, right? Uh, this is possibly the thing that's caused us to fight the most, but is also the thing that actually creates a real strength of bond between you and I, because whereas you sit much more on the skepticism end, and I get that, and absolutely I understand all of the reasons for that. I sit more on the optimism end. Um, and yet, actually, we're looking at the same inherent human patterns. And I think what I really, really appreciate and really, really resonate with what you just said is this idea of human creativity and the idea that, you know, no matter what's going on around us, you know, let's who knows what will happen. We may be on a trajectory for another mass loss of biodiversity, ourselves included. I mean, you know, some people would argue that that's exactly where we're headed. But in whatever time is left to us, I guess. Uh, whether that's you know millions of years or just a couple hundred or thousand this idea of how do we best respond to these times of crisis and perhaps this idea of well actually each of us has a personal and a collective responsibility to harness that given gift that we have of human creativity and to harness it where possible on behalf of the whole so rather than this just individualistic kind of narrative of me um to shift that somewhat into more of a collective narrative that benefits your local environment and therefore of course as you say these pockets of change that can have a huge effect yeah well i you know i i agree and i think you know that you know you said we'd kind of come around to something more positive because it's easy especially in these days right. um but positively you know human beings are very good at creating things yeah. and we always have you know for two million years we've very just look at the last two million years of human history you know we've created it's really been very creative i mean it's really good i mean there's a lot done okay it's had some negative consequences here but at the same time, I think one of the things that always feeds that creativity, that positive creativity, you know, is, you know, I think primarily two things. One is when you can create a social, you know, you can create a, a social understanding that is very positive and inclusive. Yeah. I think one of the great enemies of creativity, of you know, of, you know, of, of, of progress, if there is any, or at least, you know, the development of the, of the human condition is intolerance yes. and always has. Been. And, you know, if we can overcome intolerance, we'll, we'll come a long way. Um, the other thing that I think is very, is very important, and this is whether we're talking about digitality, whether we're talking about the internet, you know, talking about technologies or just so, you know, just also the environment. Diversity makes the difference. Right. Diversity is essential, and it's in, it's you know you'll get people you know having better understandings of their world, more tolerance, more openness when you have a have a true diversity of accounts available. Right. And you know the moment we don't, we do not have that. Right. I mean, there's idea okay we can get news from anywhere, but it's actually not true. You know the you know the the internet has become highly has become large uh, corporate media, mm. and that corporate media is is pretty uniform in its ideology, not completely uniform, but pretty uniform. Its mm. And it's hard for people to get you know a balanced story about things. I mean, it's always kind of been true, but I mean, but diversity really that diversity of knowledge, that diversity of access. And, you know, of course, education. I mean, 
we also know that one of the most important things for getting people out of poverty, getting people out of ignorance, getting people out of intolerance is good education. Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, whenever almost every country in the world, but a few is lashing their education. Right, right. Well, and so, you know, to, I guess that kind of, in a way, brings us full circle to a dialogue that I think you and I could go on for hours about this, actually. I've got a million different questions that are coming up, but I think, you know, what's beautiful about that, you know, those two things, um, you know, overcoming intolerance and really, you know, coming more from a place of, of our interconnection and unity, and then this idea of true true diversity of voice of ideas of stories if anything you know I think back over the years that's always been your challenge to me as your daughter and something that has really shaped who I am and the work I now do which is you know don't accept what's put in front of you always challenge ask Mm. new questions seek new answers go beyond the edges of your comfort zone and then make a decision for yourself um, and, you know, yes, that you, is a lesson you know, I can't I thank you enough for. I hope, given, <laughs> I hope I've given you that because I think it's the most important thing is, you know, understand that, you know, the, the accounts that are given to you, even when they're sincere, and a lot of accounts are sincere. I think right. it's also important to remember a lot of accounts are sincere, but that doesn't mean they're not mistaken. Right. You know, um, you know, and you need to, you know, we need to all probe. We all need to stop and say, wait a minute. Okay, you're saying that maybe you're right. Maybe you're not. You know, let's look at this. Let's exactly. think about this. Let's see what's what's really being said here. Right. What's really being what right. are the claims going on? Well Do I mean, they stand up? Do they make sense? This you know, idea. Um, you know. not to, to put anyone down or anything like yeah. that. Maybe they're right. You know, but just say, okay, let's just consider this. But also I think it's important to to you know, stop believing so much as we have coming out of the late, you know, modern period. We believe so much and we rely so much on institutions and institutional authority. I think it's time we started believing in people again. Oof, that's a beautiful... Usually, I mean, I trust people much more than I trust institutions. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I, live, I work for a big, you know, rather, you know, those one of those authoritative institutions, and I don't trust. <laughs> right, know? right. Well, and there... I do trust people. Isn't that an interesting, well, there's a beautiful way to finish us. You know, it's time to start trusting in people again. I love that. Um, Thank you so much, Dad. Honestly, I think I've got to run over and rescue your brother. Rescue my brother from football. Well, and I would just say to everyone, you know, you can, in the show notes, you can find links to not just uh, Robin's work, but his book. Um, you know, that I'll also link to some of his articles and social media. Um, yeah, my God, just scratching the surface of, of what I hope, here's my optimist, is a, is, a, is a good and positive change that we're seeing across the world right now. <laughs> well, we keep our fingers <laughs> Thank you, Dad. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Best to all your viewers, all your listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs>